Amen. Hey, you can grab a seat. You can grab your Bibles. Um, it is a bit of a special Sunday for us, as many, most of you all know that um, this is will be our last Sunday here at uh, Valley Church. We're really grateful for um, the past uh, 10 months that we've been able to spend here. Um, and next Sunday, we kind of start this new chapter, this new season as a church, as we come together um, with another church to be become one church. And so um, uh, one other thing here, uh, we have these mugs. They are going to be retro mugs in uh, about a week here. Uh, we have a, a new logo that we tried our best to kind of represent this this new church that that God is bringing together. Um, and so there's, I think, like 26 of these downstairs. And so grab them. Don't feel like you have to like sneak one out underneath your shirt like you're stealing one. It's cool. Take one, take two. Um, and... Uh, I don't know what we're going to do with them afterwards. You might find them in Goodwill or something like that as we turn a new chapter. Um, Today um, is also the last Sunday uh, for this sermon series called Miracles, where we're looking at the seven different miracles that the Apostle John gives us in John's Gospel. Um, And uh, part of this sermon series, why I wanted to do this is, is a little personal. Um, I shared this at the beginning, I think the first sermon of this sermon series is Melissa and I, we choose a word of the year every single year and our word of the year for 2022, it's, it's kind of like a word that's meant to be kind of like our prayer, like God this would be neat or God this is what we're le- you're leading us to and, and so our word was and is miracles. Not miracle, miracles. We're going plural. If you're just going to go, go all in, right? Miracles. And really what was underneath that is um, we were and, you know, in some ways continue to be both personally and in for the season of our church just felt like, God, there's some things that we would just long for you to do that we feel like we're unable to do. How many of you would not mind God to do some miracles in your life? Anybody? Amen. And so, um, And one of the things that I started doing early on in the year is I started literally writing down all of the miracles that God was doing in my life. And I just want to kind of like take a step back and, you know, name a miracle as a miracle. And you know how like, you know, time moves on and you forget where you've been. Guys. A year, March 2021, of those of you who were a part of our church then, we um, decided to enter into a season of fasting and praying because we were at the Metropolitan Banquet Hall. We had no area for children's ministry. It was rough. It was tough. And as many of you know, the floors were really sticky, right? And uh, that's whenever I say, like, the Metropolitan, someone's like, the floors were so sticky. Glad that's what you remember, Okay, and so we really at at the staff level, our elders, our leadership just said, what if we fasted and prayed as a church for seven weeks, once a week? Let's encourage and invite people to fast one day, once a week for seven weeks. And let's fast for this, that God would provide a building of our own as a church 
And we're like, you know what? Since we're asking for a lot, let's just ask one more thing. And Lord, would you mind making it debt free as well? And so we fasted and we prayed as a church for seven weeks. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but seven weeks went by and it brought us to literally about this exact time a year ago. Right at the end of April, beginning of May. And do you guys remember how God answered our seven weeks of fasting and praying? Anybody remember where we were at 52 weeks ago? Anybody? We were back at church online because we couldn't meet at the Metropolitan Banquet Hall anymore. They're like, you can't meet here anymore. We've got other people who want to use it who will pay us a lot more than you can afford. And then we were planning and hoping to go back to Hazen. And they said, we'd love to have you back. Oh, by the way, it's almost three times the cost and you're not allowed to sing. Like we're not allowed to sing. You cannot sing. What if we wear masks? Zero singing. And, and so we're like, you ever like prayed and fasted a long time and you get to the end of it and you're like, I think I took a step backwards. Has that ever happened? It, like we took like a few steps backwards. And now here we are a year later and I feel like God had kind of like, he's, he's topped our miracle. I see it as he's topped our miracle because not only has he provided a place of permanency for us. Not only has he provided a debt-free place of permanence for us, but we get to come together with another pastor who's been pastoring for almost 30 years with a group of seasoned saints who have been serving in that church body, some of them for decades, and we get to come together as one church has anybody thought that this is a miracle? Because, friends, it, it is a miracle. Amen? Can we just give glory to God? Amen? That heater was driving me nuts, guys. I can handle crying babies, but a heater, I don't have time for that. Um, so, in light of this incredible miracle that God has done, Um, And this new season he has for us, I want us to look at this passage in John 11. Um, I think, at least I think John would also say that this was maybe the greatest of Jesus's miracles. Um, Because he doesn't just heal somebody, he raises a man from the dead. Um, This right here is also, I believe the longest description of a miracle. It's 44 verses. Now, don't worry. I'm going to, instead of preaching verse by verse, I'm going to take this large sections at a time, and I want to just make three major observations and end with some application, because I think that this passage both speaks to where we've been and kind of gives us Maybe a roadmap on how we as followers of Jesus in this new season might walk forward. And so John 11, let's read this. I'm going to rip off a huge group. Verses 1 through 17 is what I'm going to read here. 
And I'll stop once or twice briefly. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, that is Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus heard But Jesus heard it, and he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I just need to pause real quick, and I want to just remind us what has just happened. Jesus is far away. Lazarus, whom he loves dearly, is sick, clearly at the point of death. Mary and Martha know how much Jesus loves Lazarus, and so they send some people, hey, go and get Jesus and tell him that the one he loves, Lazarus, is sick. Translation, Lazarus, will you come, or Jesus, will you come as soon as possible and heal Lazarus? Isn't that what Mary and Martha are expecting? This is a prayer. And what does Jesus say? This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Just, you can circle all the times where it talks about how much Jesus loves Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Do you catch the logic there? Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So you know what he did? He just stayed a couple more days and did not go. Wait, hold on, Jesus. I, <laughs> I thought you loved them, and yet you're staying? Hmm. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, you know what? Sometimes we just need Jesus to go, hey, I'm just going to tell you straight up. No more parables. No more cool words and teachings where you need to know like the Greek language and all that. Like, I'm just going to tell you straight up plainly what's going on. And here's what he says. Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad. Did you, ever catch, did you catch that? Has someone you loved ever died and you thought, I'm so glad. I'm glad for your sake that they're dead. Jesus just said it. I don't recommend it, by the way. <laughs> for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. 
So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. A little late, Jesus. Here's my observation. God often uses our greatest pain to bring about our and his greatest purposes for our life. Back to verse 4. This illness does not lead to death. This illness is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through this. How many of you have been really, really ill? Some of you have actually been so ill that maybe you are getting close to the point of death. I'm not sure I've been there, but I, I felt like it. I know I haven't, but you know, sometimes when we get to that place, we think we're all gonna die, right? So when you get really, really sick, there's some suffering involved, isn't there? Yeah, physical suffering. How about for Mary and Martha watching their brother in this illness? Suffering emotionally? Let me ask you a question. Rhetorical, think about it. Is suffering, is pain a bad thing? Jesus says, this Illness, this pain, this suffering, it's actually for the glory of God. It's actually so that the glory of God might be displayed in him. For Jesus, this is a setup. Do you get that, right? They come and say, Jesus, come and heal him. And Jesus says, I think I'm going to stay a couple more days. And Jesus even knows, hey guys, he's, he's dead. We're not there yet, but he's dead. So is this not a setup? Does Jesus know what is going to take place? Yes? And does he not allow it completely? You might go so far to use the language. He ordained this pain, but for a purpose, right? Right? And I just, I want this to go so deep into your hearts because pain is coming for every single one of us. We all walk through seasons of pain, seasons of suffering, seasons of trials. And most of us, we can often see it as bad or negative. How do I pray my way out of this? How do I avoid this? But what if... What if God often uses your greatest seasons of pain to bring about your and his greatest purposes for your life? Think about Joseph in the book of Genesis. He's in prison for over a decade. And then God uses that pain for an incredible purpose. Think of Ruth, think of Esther, think of David, think of Daniel, think of Hannah, think of Jesus. 
his greatest pain on the cross. Let me just add to this statement one more time. God often uses your greatest pain to bring about your and his greatest purposes and it's always worth it. It's always worth it. You know why it's always worth it? It's because it's not just that God is trying to bring us to a certain place. It's not as if God is trying to necessarily bring us past the pain, around the pain, to bring us to a certain place as much as God is trying to do something in you, in the pain, right? So example, real quick. This week, um, Becca and I, Becca is is our office administrator, does an incredible job. She's going to continue in that role. And so her and I went um, and met with Pastor John and their current office administrator, Carlotta. Wait till you meet her. Holy smokes. You just want to hug her or even better. You want her to hug you. She's amazing. She's this 74 year old gal just a faithful follower of Jesus. But in 2021, she got diagnosed with a very, very aggressive form of cancer. I think it's esophagus cancer, somewhere right here. Uh, Stage four. And we walk in to the office um, and Carlotta is crying. You you ever walked into a meeting and someone's crying? You're like, I don't have the EQ for this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, right? Do I crack a joke? Do I be, you know, don't say anything. That's what you do, guys, right? So I know this. I know that she had cancer. She spent 28 days getting radiation. Five weeks of very aggressive chemotherapy. And I knew also that the day before she had gotten her PET scan to see if the cancer was still there. And we walk in and she's crying. And Pastor John looks at me and he says, the cancer's gone. Or like, what a way to start a meeting. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) Wrap it up. So we thought, well, let's let's just pray together. I mean, miracle, right? Miracle. And so we start praying. I wish you guys could have heard Carlotta's prayer. Carlotta is crying. And you know what she was saying? God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in me. Thank you for how close you've drawn me. And I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade this for anything. It's worth it. We all want God to do incredible things in our life, right? We all want God to grow us, to mature us. How many of you, you want to be the best husband possible, amen? Wives, how many of you want your husband to be the best husband possible, amen? 
You want to be the best husband, the best, the best wife, the best parent. You want to be the best employee or employer. You want to be the best follower of Christ. You want to grow. You want to mature. You want to be used by God for these incredible things. Do you not want to live a life that can only be explained by the power and the work of God in your life? Amen? But God often uses pain. Deep pain, great pain to bring about his great purposes. We want God to do great things in our life, but it often means we have to come to a place where we can't do it ourselves. And I look just application to the season we're in. Uh, I know that not all of you are behind the scenes. Oh my goodness. Our staff, our elders, man, I, there were days where I just cry every single day. Like, oh, Lord, this is, this is the worst ever. I'm so tired. We've got nowhere to go. What is happening? People are leaving our church and I'm struggling with why they're just so much pain. And you know, it's been so worth it. So worth it. Partly because you guys are awesome and have been a blessing to me. But I just, I, hang, I just want to just, I want to go deep into this and, and just remind you that trials are coming, hardships are coming, pain will come into your life. If you follow Jesus close enough, it will. And it's a gift. Jesus often uses your greatest pains to bring about your and his greatest purposes for your life, just like our friend Lazarus and Mary and Martha. The next section here, a much briefer observation. I want you to just pay attention to Martha and Mary and how they're doing. It says, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, can you imagine this? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Very first words. Jesus, if. Only if you would have just been here. Nice to see you too, Martha. <laughs> you would have just been here. And she continues and says, But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, what God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I, I know. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. There's so much here 
It is really, it is, it is the focal point of this passage. It is why Jesus allows Lazarus to die because Jesus is trying to make a point that needs to also be an anchor for our soul. And the point is this. Jesus says, y'all are going to die. You all are going to die. The death rate of people is 100%. Y'all know that? 100%. But if you believe in me, you will rise from the dead and spend eternity with me forever. And may we never, ever forget that. That is, that is why we are here together to draw deeper to that truth that through Christ and Christ alone do we have eternal life? We gather here together to go deeper into knowing that, but we also go away from here to go and make that known to people who need it. Because this right here, this is the hope of the world, friends. Is it not? This is, this is why both of our churches wanted to become one church. We just said, you know what? I feel like we could do this better together than separate. But this is our anchor. This is our anchor. We have no purpose without Christ. And I love that truth. Verse 28, and, and when she had said this, she went and, and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with him, with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if... You had been here. My brother would not have died. Does that sound familiar? She says the same exact thing to Martha. You know what just hit me as I, I read this? I wonder if they said the same exact thing because they had been talking. I wonder if they were just weeping together going, if Jesus would have just been here. If Jesus, I wonder how many times they said that out loud. Jesus, if you would have just been here, wouldn't, wouldn't end this way. You ever say that? You ever have those moments? Jesus, if you just would have been here. Does Jesus rebuke her? Does Jesus go, <laughs> you talk to me like that? That seems a little harsh. Do you not know who I am? Son of God here? There's something there, friends. And, and Martha is a lot smoother because she makes that statement and she's like, but okay, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Like a little faith, right? Martha, a little bit of faith. Mary, mm-mm. If you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. That's all I gotta say. And what is Jesus' response? When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Second observation. Jesus allows them to grieve and lament. You know what lament is? We need to recover lament. We desperately need lament. We're not good at lament. Us Americans. Lament is this. Lament is taking those emotional feelings you have that you don't, that don't necessarily put a smile on your face. Those emotional feelings you have that make you mad, that make you sad, that make you angry, that make you fearful, that make you anxious, that make you depressed, make you disappointed. And you know what lament is? Lament is taking all of those emotions that you feel so deeply and then verbally, literally verbally laying them before the Lord. There are 150 psalms. Psalms are prayers. Prayers, songs. I want to say it's over 70 of them. I think it's 73 or something like that are psalms of lament. I think there's seven or eight different genres of psalms, prayers. Thanksgiving, praise, uh, messianic, um, um, uh, and, and, and lament, and then a, a couple others. Lament is by and large the majority of the Psalms. Where it's just like, God, why'd you let my brother die? God, why did you do this? Why have you forsaken me? Why did you do this? We're not good at that. We do one of two things we either bottle it up and put a smile on our face, and then it explodes, or we get really depressed. Or. Kind of the new thing is, well, you feel that, you must be that. You feel angry, be angry. You feel fearful, <laughs> you be you, be fearful. And we let our emotions control us. And Jesus invites us to lament, to take that stuff we're feeling that's heavy and to verbally lay it before him. And I just want to acknowledge that um, there is definitely a sense of excitement. Like, wow, Lord, this is amazing what what you've done and what you're doing. But but what is ahead is a lot of change, right? There's a lot of change. And so there's a sense in which maybe there's some things to to grieve or there's some things that are that might be lost. Of course, I'd like us to hope and and pray that there's a lot of greater things, something new that is going to come that's greater. But it doesn't change the fact that there's there is a sense of loss. Ten and a half years. And that's okay. And I also wanted to acknowledge that. um, I don't want to undermine maybe for some of you, maybe this is really hard, maybe. But I also want to acknowledge I think for this new church family, you know, we've got 10 and a half years to grieve. They have, I think it's 52 years. And there's a lot there to, to grieve. Um, and I praise God that 
um, Hillary gets to continue leading our worship team. I praise God that Christina is able to serve in the way that she serves in children's and youth. And there's new partnerships there. There's new partnerships in worship. And, and I praise God that Becca is able to continue to use her gifts and abilities as um, our office administrator. And, and it, but it's, it's a bit of a, it's a, can we just acknowledge there's maybe more things that are changing or are adjusting for these saints as we come together. And there's maybe some things to grieve. Can we acknowledge that? And so, ending this way, how do we come together well where some of us might have some level of grief, where there's things that are just gonna be a little bit different, right? Where things might be a little bit hard, right? You know, I'll just name some so you, so you know they're coming. Um, laughing. I'm not telling jokes, guys. You don't have to laugh about this. You know, Hillary is doing such an incredible job working um, with their team and, and, and their current worship leader in this transition. And, and we've just decided to say, you know what, for these next several months, we're going to try and meet each other in the middle because we don't have the same exact style. For these next several months, let's try and meet each other where we're at the best we can. And I'm not a musician, so I don't understand how, how difficult that can be musically. And so I praise God for Hillary's leadership in that. But it, it's going to feel a little bit different as we go through this season of transition. The, the other piece is I'm not going to be preaching almost every single Sunday. Now, in, in some ways, I, I think that there's something to be looked forward to there. I think Pastor John is this incredible preacher and teacher of God's word. But there, there's, there's a change there, going into this building that, that is new to us, and, but is so familiar to them. And, and just warning, just a warning, we've had conversations. What stays on the walls and what doesn't? And do we make changes immediately or do we wait a little bit? And, and at what point do we make some adjustments to warm up certain places or not? Listen, conversations are happening, but at the same time, being very strategic because I, I think... I think you and I have a, an incredible opportunity to humbly serve um, these new brothers and sisters in Christ that we get to now become one with. And there might, might be like a Foothills logo somewhere. I got a t-shirt. I'm hanging on to it. I might rep it, man. It's just retro, right? But, but that's okay. We want to do our best to honor, honor the past. But these little things can, can lead to some bumpy things, right? Right? So how, how do we do that well? And, and I think the answer is very simple. Love like Jesus loves. Just be like Jesus. Let me just close by looking at how Jesus responds. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Might mean we, we weep with those who weep. We share in some of, of the, the grief in this transition. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, don't worry, guys. <laughs> Wait till you see what I do. You don't even need to cry. What does he do? He weeps with them. And may we weep with those who weep. Amen? May we be like Jesus here. 
And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. Just so loving. But some of them said, but at the same time, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead for days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe and that you sent me when he said when he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice Jesus is yelling here Lazarus come out and the man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth like he just he's he's a mummy literally and Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go Death to life. And some things for this season, we're burying some things so that we can have something new. And my prayer for each and every one of us as we walk through this season is that we would be like Jesus, that we would love so deeply like he loves. Um that we would lean in like he leans in. He weeps with them. And then he actually does something about it. Like he gets involved and does something. And so just a pastoral word for us. I want to encourage you over the next year. I say the next year because what's going to happen in the next year is there might be some moments where it's new, it's different, it's hard. I don't want to like prophesy here and be like, it's going to be so hard, guys. You know, maybe it's not. But would you not give up? Would you stick with this faith family on this new journey we have? Would you lean in and would you love not just one another here, but the new one another's? I mean, really love them. Ask them their story. Ask them, what do you love most about this church? What do you hope never changes? Love them. Lean in. Ask them those questions. What do you hope never changes? What do you love about this church? And then, guys, just go all in. Go all in. And let's see the incredible things God will do in this new season as a church. Amen? Let me pray for us and the worship team's gonna come up. Father God, you are, you are so good to us. You are so good to our faith family here. Lord, I, I pray for these incredible saints that we now get to become one with. Would you make us one as you are one? Would you make us perfectly one? As you are perfectly one, please be honored and glorified in this new church. Lord, we thank you for how faithful you've been to us. Help us to walk faithfully with you.
pray these things in your name. Amen.